What's up to my amazing Sports is Job podcast listeners? We are back with another amazing episode. And as always, I may sound like a broken record, but each guest that joins us on the podcast is absolutely amazing. And I'd like to introduce today's episode's guest, Sarah Temple Defabach. I hope I pronounced that name correctly. We were practicing a little bit, but to give all of you listeners a little background about who she is, um, she's currently the director of event management and facilities for Baylor Athletics. She was previously a GA of athletic event operations at Clemson University from 2019 to 2021. And then actually she was the athletic department internal operations intern at Fresno State University from 2017 to 2019. So I'd like to formally welcome Sarah to the podcast. How are we holding up in the uh, the Texas winter? I, I know it's been going crazy down there with the winter weather. Yeah, thanks, Colby, for having me on. I'm super excited. Um, these I was not prepared for the Texas winter. I am a Cali girl, and um, I am used to no seasons. So <laughs> it's been a little rough. Um, and last week we had to rearrange a lot of stuff on our end. So we are trying to put the pieces back together and fix all the broken pipes and kind of just hold things down, um, over here. So for all the people who maybe have interests or don't know what the event operations and facility operations college athletics is like, just describe a little bit about kind of what you do at Baylor. Yeah. So, um, like you said, I'm the director of event management and facilities. Um, I specifically oversee our women's soccer uh, game operations and then their field and building. And I also oversee our equestrians um, events and postseason events. Uh, this year, we're actually hosting the Big 12 and the national championship. So that's super exciting. Um, for those, I just oversee total game operations. So I am working with our security staff, event staff, our broadcasting team. I am the liaison between the visiting team and the officials and kind of just putting all the pieces together. It's very, I know you get this, it's very hard to describe what event professionals do in reality because we kind of just do everything. Um, but my job specifically is just making sure that my events are safe. And I always put an emphasis on that the student athletes get to be student athletes, the coaches get to be coaches, and I make sure that I do my job well enough so everyone else gets to do their job to their best ability. Um, it's a lot of pre-planning and crisis management. Um, I'm a weather girl sometimes and have <laughs> to track that sort of stuff, um, but really safety of fans, coaches, student athletes um, is kind of at the top of our priority list for that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I don't know, like I've kind of expressed this and, and maybe you agree, maybe you don't agree. But a lot of times when I break down like event management, I tell people it's like 70 percent of it is planning, like preparation, um, game manuals, uh, crisis management, weather, like you were talking about. 20 percent is actually the execution of the game day setups and, and breakdowns. And then 10 percent, like, as you know, a lot of different things can happen. Uh, during a game day so be able to react and adapt to certain situations and it's interesting because you know one of my mentors Garrett Tun who's the director of uh, facilities and events at San Jose State he talked about how when we do a good job we're kind of invisible like people don't really know who we are so a lot of times at games like a lot of our fans or people are and they're and they come up to me and they're like huh 
what do you do? I've always seen you around here. Like, what do you do? I'm like, ah, I just do events. Like, I'm just here making sure things don't go wrong. But it's always interesting to, to explain to people kind of what we do and hear um, from, other, from other event professionals in, in the college athletics and get their perspective. So when did you know you wanted to work in events and facilities? I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing that it's, it's hard work, right? 20 hour days, yeah. sometimes 60, 70, 80 hours a week. We go unnoticed, like I was saying. So when was the moment you kind of realized like, okay, event and facility operations is my lane? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. Before I was an intern in internal operations at Fresno State, I actually got my foot in the door through the compliance department. Um, And I figured out very quickly, um, (laughs) God bless compliance people, but those, that is not who I am. I cannot sit at a desk all day. I cannot be stuck in a building. Um, It's a little different personality wise. Um, So I kind of stumbled into it because I didn't enjoy compliance. So I was like, well, let's try something else. And the opportunity came up at Fresno State. Um, And that's when I really found that those were my people. It's a little looser of a department you can kind of get away with a little more um I do enjoy getting my hands dirty um which is always always fun um and I think also something I really like about it is that we get to work individually with every other department within the athletics department um which I really enjoyed I figured out very quickly it's how my brain works um my brain kind of I'm very you know, logistical, logical, how do we solve the problem sort of thing. Not a creative person, cannot draw, have no creative bone in my body, but um, I'm really good at kind of seeing problem and finding a solution. And going back to what you were saying about the preparation, one of my favorite sayings is that the separation is in the preparation. And I always put an emphasis on that preparation is literally helping your future self. Um, so that I put so much emphasis on that in my personal life, in my daily life. And so when I found event and facility management, I kind of figured out, hey, this is how my brain works. I love this. And I get paid to be at sporting events. And I get paid to work with some of the best coaches in the country. Um, so that's kind of how I, I figured out it was my lane. Something I is kind of a downside of it is we don't really interact with student athletes as much just by the nature of our, um, of our business, but the relationships with coaches is something that I, I value. And once you kind of gain their trust and get in their inner circle, it's incredible to feel like you're a part of that team and a part of that team success. Kind of curious. I, I, I knew you were part of the, uh, emerging leader ELS, uh, 2020, and they made us this year, I was part of the ELS 21. They made us take the disc assessment. I, I don't know if they did for y'all, but what, yes. what was your, uh, what was your, thing? I was a very strong D Word. so very, okay. very dominant personality, which <laughs> did not surprise me <laughs> whatsoever. Um, yeah, did not surprise me whatsoever. I think, um, that that manifests itself kind of in my career because I am the I have never worked for or with another female. Mm. Um, and I am very um, kind of my thing as I say, I, I wear game day glitter and I'm very feminine and I like, you know, to do my job with a full face of makeup on and a cute outfit. Um, however, 
presenting that way and being a female in the most male dominated part of a male dominated industry, I kind of have to have a little more of an aggressive and dominant personality, I feel sometimes to kind of let my voice be heard and let my opinions kind of be heard by people. Um, and I've kind of always carried that with me. I think that's, it's becoming less and less, um, but I've definitely experienced that. I have to just be a, a little, little more out there to kind of be heard a little bit in my space. And, and I definitely have noticed it's it, when I was doing my research on you, um, I saw a picture like introducing Clemson to the, the, the glitter family or the glitter uh, glam. And uh, yeah. my favorite one was talking about how during this whole COVID situation, you're being, you're put lipstick on and, you know, yeah. it, it, just making yourself look good, even though you got the mask on. Yeah. There was a, a post you put out there on, on LinkedIn and it, it got me intrigued. And I want to ask you about it. Um, and it was from a year ago when you posted a picture of your Clemson card, uh, your business card at Clemson. And you said in quotations, this dream used to be so big, it scared me. Hard work pays off and being at the right place at the right time is so important. So talk to me a little bit about that, about dreams being so big, because I think a lot of people in the industry, we have dreams of working maybe at a certain athletic department or a certain job. And sometimes when we think of this big dream, we get intimidated by it because it's so big. And as you mentioned, like, like a lot of people, when it comes to minorities or, or females in the industry, it's a struggle to see ourselves in that position because of representation, because we're like, why me? I probably can't do it. Like I, I couldn't do it. Like, why would I be able to do that? So talk to me about your journey of, of realizing these big dreams, making it to that point in a sense, and kind of what you had to do to get there. Yeah. That's a very good question. Um, I am one who totally believes in manifestation and that if you talk about it and put out in the universe, um, it has a greater chance of coming true. So when I was a, just an intern undergrad working at Fresno State, I knew I wanted to be at a power five school. Um, I knew I wanted small town, big football. And I, I, I saw that for myself. I knew I could thrive in it. Um, so I talked about it all the time. I also always talked about how I felt like I belonged in the big 12, <laughs> which is an interesting thing as it comes full circle. Um, but it was when I was graduating undergrad, I cast a very wide net and applied to every single GA position in event and facility management. And I was number two for about six jobs. And I just kept being final two, final two, final two, and not, not being the one. Um, and then somehow, God willing, I ended up at Clemson. And Clemson checked all the boxes. It was small town. It was big football. It was power five. I didn't want to be landlocked. South Carolina's not. Um, so it, it checked all those boxes. However, the scary part of as, as a 22-year-old, I grew up in Fresno. So I had never been away from home. I moved 3,000 miles away from everything I've ever known to build a new life and start a new job. And imposter syndrome is real. And it is something that I struggled with at Clemson probably really through my entire first year. Um, Clemson's um, event operations department was five people, including myself. So very small department to cover 19 sports. So I immediately got a lot of responsibility. Um, and I struggled with not feeling like I was good enough and not feeling like I was good enough to have that responsibilities and be in those rooms and have those conversations with people. 
Um, and I'm usually a very, very self-confident person and believe in myself and everything, but it's, I was definitely a small, a small fish in a big pond for sure. Um, but I, I quickly realized through that experience that it's really the people. Um, and I had an incredible boss who's now my biggest mentor. His name is Ben Houston, um, who's the associate director of event operations at Clemson. And he put me in rooms and involved me in conversations and empowered me to where I felt I belonged there. And so that dream became a little less scary. Um, but still going through the process of applying to jobs before I got to Baylor, I applied for this job and saw that it was a director job and being a GA, I thought long shot, there's no chance. I'll throw my hat out there. Maybe they'll look at my resume, but there's no shot. Um, so kind of still that imposter syndrome of I don't belong. I'm not ready. Um, and Ben had to convince me that I was ready, that I was doing the same exact work just with a different title. Um, and I think that's super important for people to remember too, is that titles are great. And a lot of times they're tied to salary and that's all great. But at the end of the day, it's what you do. And I'm doing the same exact things I was doing at Clemson as a GA, as a director at Baylor, same exact thing. So I would just encourage people that titles and what you do and where you are, it can be intimidating. It can be scary, but finding people who empower you and believe in you and are going to invest in you is the most important part of the journey. And you mentioned something there, and I, I put out a tweet on the sports's job about if people could just share words of encouragement for people who are getting rejection letters. I mean, that's one of the hardest things to get, right? Like, hey, sorry, we took a look at your resume, but we were going in a different direction. Like that email breaks your heart, especially when you're applying to 10, 20 plus, and, and you understand, and everybody listening understands, yeah. like, the work it goes into having to finish just one application, it yeah. takes time and time because they're like, oh, submit your resume. But can you also input all your experience over again and, and do that thing? And you said you got, you know, you were second for like six opportunities and then you ended up at Clemson. And one of the things I see recurring like words of encouragement people are saying is like, hey, every single no is pushing you into an opportunity that's meant for you. Yeah. Now, go back into that situation, right, where you're, where you're second for six different things. I don't know if you're faith-based or if you believe in a higher power or what was your thought process? Like, how did you keep yourself composed? How did you stay positive? Or maybe you weren't even positive. Like, talk about that yeah. particular situation. Yeah, definitely. So um, it was definitely twofold from me. I am a faithful person. Um, and so kind of having that faith of God is going to put me where I belong and it's all going to work out, and I'm going to be, be where I'm meant to grow. Um, I was also very positive because, again, being in operations, just the way that I think, I have, like, six backup plans. Um, while I was applying for GA jobs, I also just applied to grad school, and if I didn't get a GA job, I was going to go to grad school and probably volunteer and do all that sort of stuff. Um, the way Clemson worked out, Clemson was posted very, very late in terms of – GA positions. So if I would have gotten one of those other six jobs, I wouldn't have landed there, which kind of propelled me into the job I am in today. Um, I would say that it's hard and it's especially hard with people who are on a time frame, as interns and GAs are a lot where you kind of see that time ticking down and it gets, you get stressed and um, 
you know, there, you have no option but to finish and move on to the next thing. Um, it was, it was a difficult, it was a difficult process. There was a lot of, a lot of self-doubt and I'm sure people, you know, go on social media and see other people accepting jobs that, that they wish that they would have gone or, or had and stuff like that. Um, but I really, really do think that things work out the way that they're supposed to, and that you're planted where you're supposed to grow. Um, so I kind of, I kind of kept that faith and it also helped that I have an extremely supportive family that think I am so fabulous that I was going to end up right where I was supposed to be. And so, um, when I got the call from Clemson, I accepted the job on the phone and my bosses thought I was crazy, but, um, I knew it was right. So I, I know it's, I know it's hard for people. And especially in this season when the industry is trying to bounce back, um, and there's a lot of uncertainty in the market and everything. Um, I would just say, you know, keep, keep pushing. And I also, my biggest piece of advice for my students and people that I talk to is a closed mouth doesn't get fed. Mm-hmm. You know, all it takes is one person you reach out to, to connect with. Um, and most people in this industry want to help. And most people in this industry want to connect you with someone. And um, it's just really important to never feel like that's the burden, but understand that that's a part of a lot of people's journey just in this space. Yeah. And, and, and it's great that you share these words of encouragement. And, and I think for people listening to this, where they struggle to see it actually happening, they can look at you, Sarah, and say, look at her situation, look at what happened with her, look at where she's at, like, look at what she's doing now. And imposter syndrome. I mean, that is a big, big thing. And we talked about equestrian. You, you mentioned that you're, you're overlooking the event operations for equestrian. And we talked about how you still kind of don't know what equestrian is all about, but you're good at putting on the event. And I think that's a good topic is how do people prepare to work event management for a sport they don't even know about? Or just in general, how does somebody prepare for a task that they don't really know about? Because, you know, we get intimidated by the new, intimidated by the different. And like for us in event management, like at certain schools, we don't have swimming and diving here. But if I go to another school and they have swimming and diving, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I've never watched a swimming and diving event. I've never worked a swimming and diving event. Like, what the heck do I do? So what is your process in in preparing for the unknown? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Overall, my uh, boss at Fresno State, Jason O'Quinn, gave me the best piece of advice and said, Sarah, no matter what we do, the ball's going to kick off at 7. The ball's going to be tipped at 7.05 that's going to happen regardless of what we do. And so that's very reassuring that I try to tell myself it's like, whatever I do that we're still going to play this game. This is going to happen. Um, I think it's important to understand the intangibles. So my intangibles are that I over communicate with people. I over communicate that our ambulance is going to be there. Our police is going to be there. Our event staff, um, our coaches know what's going on. So I think that communication piece, over overarches everything because I think that sharing of information is so valuable to be successful um, when it comes to the event. Um, another thing preparation wise is I love to have everything printed out. I need to see it hard copy in person, all of my maps, all of my all of my timing sheets, 
Um, even I will print out names and faces of officials and visiting team coaches and director of operations, just so I know who I'm dealing with and I don't get anything, anything mixed up. Um, I also probably annoy people because I double check and triple check and 10 times check on everything. We have a, our first soccer match this weekend. And I think I've tested the microphone like 15 times. Um, <laughs> another, another big, like little quirky piece is that, um, the first thing I always do at an event is turn the lights on and put the flag up because I am terrified of our PA announcer saying, and now we'll do the national anthem. And I forgot to put the American flag up. I am absolutely terrified of that. Um, so I think it's just, it's a, for me, it's a lot of over-communication. It's, it's having everything in front of me. Um, and also talking about the newness piece, understanding that people who've done it before, your biggest resource. Um, I, ask so many questions. I'm never afraid to ask questions. Um, I don't think any question is dumb. Um, luckily my bosses haven't yet either. <laughs> um, but I think using people as your resource is huge. And also getting people to understand that you're there as their resource too. Um, I always tell our director of ops and our coaches, hey, call me anytime, text me anytime. We're on the same team, we have the same mission. Um, so I think, I think all in all, the communication piece is the biggest part of preparation for sure. And it all leads back to the kind of like what you were saying, a closed mouth doesn't get fed, mm -hmm. you know, speak up, ask questions if you don't know. And I think this COVID situation, like coming up with the operational plans and the visiting team guides, and, and it's something that you probably had to do. There was no rule book on how, how, how mm -hmm. it was supposed to be done. So it was interesting because a lot of the coaches never went through the same situation. Nobody went through the situation and none of the student workers or the other staff. And so it was important to over communicate, to tell people like, hey, this is the way it's going to be done. This is the way we're going to do it. And I'm kind of like you annoying to the, to the point where uh, a lot of my student workers, they look at me with like, dude. I know what I'm doing already. Why do you keep asking? Yeah. Why do you keep checking in? My, my scoreboard operator has been doing it for me for two years now. And, and there's certain things I triple check and he's like, dude, it's, it's fine. I got it. And then like during the game, like I'll see something in the scoreboard and I'll, I'll come behind him like, hey, and he's like, I know, I know. He'll put like his finger up. He's like, I know. And I'm like, I just got to check. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just got to double check, triple check. Um, yeah. So I, I guess the next thing I want to ask you is you've been at Fresno State, you've been at Clemson, you've been at Baylor and, and at Baylor for a short time. Mm -hmm. Your favorite moments at each school? Oh, goodness. That is a tough one. Um, Fresno State, probably favorite moment. Um, I had the pleasure of managing our men's tennis Mountain West tournament that we hosted and we won on our home courts. Um, and that was kind of one of the last things I did at my time at Fresno State. So getting to win a conference championship that I put on on our own courts was incredible. Absolutely loved every single minute of it. I have the hat in my office. Um, that was like kind of my first championship as an event manager. So really enjoyed that. Um, God, favorite memory from Clemson there. I feel like I experienced so much at Clemson. <laughs> um, one of the moments that sticks with me the most um, was our first, our second home football game of my first year in 2019. Uh, we were playing Texas A&M. It was a top 10 matchup in Death Valley. I don't know if 
people are really familiar with Clemson's pregame rituals, but um, they touch the they touch Howard's Rock at the top of the hill and then run down the hill, which is the most exciting 25 seconds in college football. Um, and I was standing on our home sideline with 85,000 people surrounding me, cheering on the national champions, taking the field. And that was kind of one of those moments for me of, wow, I conquered this. I made it. This is incredible. Um, I'll kind of add on another one <laughs> to Clemson because I had such a great experience. Um, but we also, we, um, the softball program was new at Clemson a year ago. So I got to be at the inaugural game of Team One's um, season, which was awesome. Um, we also, I also got to be a part of our um, hosting first round women's soccer. And I got to see men's soccer playing in the lead eight at home. Um, I got to escort Coach K from a Duke basketball game after we beat them in Little John Coliseum. So incredible memories at Clemson that I will hold dear in my career. Um, at Baylor thus far, let's see. Um, I think probably my first women's basketball game, um, we actually lost my first women's basketball game at home. So that was people had questions about my presence there. But um, <laughs> I grew up a huge women's basketball fan. Basketball is my first love. Um, and standing on the court, watching Kim Mulkey walk out and them being announced as the reigning national champions and getting to play at home as a top 10 team was another one of those moments of how the heck did I get here sort of thing. Um, so that was awesome. And I'm looking forward to a lot more memories at Baylor. So I'm excited. So to end with this, and I, I've learned this about you now through, through this podcast and our conversation is manifestation. Yeah. Where is Sarah 10 years from now? What, you know, what, what conference, what position, what are you doing 10 years from now? Yeah, 10 years from now. Wow. So I will be 34 in 10 years, um, which sounds very old. Um, <laughs> I hope that I am an assistant AD, an associate AD at a Power 5 school overseeing an operations department. Um, the biggest thing for me is I just want to pour back into people. So I want to be at a place where I can really affect people and help them grow. Um, I always say, I don't think I'm going to change the world. I don't think anyone can change the world, but I always want to change the little world that I'm a part of. So I hope that the four or five people that I work with, I just change their perspectives, maybe a little bit of from my life experience and their life experience and everything like that. So 10 years down the road, I hope I am in a small town with big football where time stops on Saturdays and um, I get to still be producing five-star athletic events for incredible student-athletes. So just work, working my way up the ladder. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to look back and listen to this 10 years from now, and I'm going to make sure to send this to you uh, to congratulate you when you announce that associate assistant AD position. But thank you, Sarah. For coming on the podcast where can people find you and connect with you on social media yeah thanks for having me colby um my twitter is at sarah t defabach um same on instagram um linkedin all of that um i'd love to connect with people i'd love to talk to people reach out network all of it so if anyone wants to hit me up or follow me please please do 
Well, to all of these Sports is Job podcast listeners, thank you as always for joining us on the podcast. If there's any guests out there in the sports industry that you think you would love to have on the podcast, uh, please DM me at, at on Twitter at Colby underscore Castillo. And like I always say, we are all on our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.